welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus the Fernicus. Say what? Charette. DOC to the single G. What's up, sir? Woo! Mike, second show of the year. Second show. Yeah. Yeah, man. 48 to go, listeners. You've got a, mm-hmm. it, it got everything. Everything's in front of us. That's right. It mm-hmm. is a, it is positivity, progress. We are heading towards 2024's big time, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yep. And you know what we have to celebrate today, Mike? I don't know. What is it? It's a pretty big birthday today. It's a pretty big birthday. It's so big, I had to put it outside of the birthday suit category, Mike. Hmm. A fellow. Who is it? A fellow Benjamin. A fellow Benjamin. Is it Benjamin Franklin? You know it, Mike. Yeah. Mike, I was so excited. I was so excited when I saw this. I was like, you know what? We we need to we need to celebrate. Mm-hmm. We need to celebrate BF. And we're yeah. gonna celebrate BF, the first American. That's one of his uh, nicknames, Mike, the first American. Hmm. Because he was one of the people that actually, you know, promoted us being a country by ourselves first and he was all about it you know but i thought we should dust off a little classic to celebrate bf yeah a little hot takes a history mike Ooh, i love it yeah hth takes of history mike we have got some facts i've got some facts get ready for some facts about B- facts. bf here this here's the first fact you ready yes Ben Franklin was a vegetarian for a lot of his life. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know that. He sort of went in and out, you know? He'd go in and out of it. He uh, Hmm. originally primarily did it to save money and because he thought it promoted uh, clearness of ideas and quickness of thought. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. And I got to be honest. I I thought about it, and I was like, man— being a vegetarian in 1769 in the winter has to suck. That does mm. not seem like a picnic. What's our choices for dinner? Well, stale bread or potatoes. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I'll have both. Nice. Like, yeah, it, uh, yeah. scant, scant. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't have the. But it doesn't, you know. I, I mean, you know, by by the the looks of the most of the paintings that they had of him, didn't look like he was, you know, he was he was dying of starvation. You know, no, I, I'm just saying he looked like a healthy dude. You know. Yeah. You know? He did, yeah. I mean, he he did look a little bit overweight. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like it wasn't like he was underweight though. You know, like yeah. it was getting him done. Well, he wasn't obese. Exactly. Anyway, if they have like a list of all the things he ate, no. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he had, he, there, there are definitely some like diaries of things he, he had. journaled. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Today I had bread. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow I will have potatoes. The <laughs> end. Uh, <laughs> Hot takes of history. HTH. 
H-C-H. Mike, this one's a good one. Uh, Benjamin Franklin was the only individual to have signed all four documents that helped create the United States. Cool. Yeah. Declaration of Independence, the Treaty Alliance uh, with France, and the uh, Treaty Peace uh, between England, France, the United States, and then lastly, the United States Constitution. The Constitution was going to say that. Yeah. 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 I knew that one. Those were 11 (laughs) years apart, Mike, all of those things. Wow. I didn't know that. HTH. Between 1776 and 1787. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. And old Benny Franklin was pretty old by that time. He was like almost 80 on that last one as far as the Constitution. Yeah, you know they say, hey, in this mastery book that he Ben Franklin, he was uh, he was he was cognitive, he was fully cognitive for oh. his entire life, like just fully like oh, thinking dude. of ideas, inventing. He was on, and you know what he loved, Mike. I mean, this is an HDH, but you know what he was all into? What exercise? Yes, he promoted exercise all the time, man. He was Ben he, Franklin he, doing some push-ups. He was a big swimmer. He really liked oh. swimming, and a lot of times he'd swim in the nude. He'd jump into oh, the, okay. the the river just completely naked, like, what's up? Going for a swim. Mm. People were like, man, that Benjamin Franklin is fit, and he's got a huge dong. What? My goodness. <laughs> My goodness. Those bifocals are staying on in the water. It's impressive. Hot, <laughs> hot takes of history. HTH. <laughs> Uh, Mike Benjamin Franklin's son. This isn't this isn't that good of a HTH, but I got I got to put it out there. He had a kid. He had a, he had a kid. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, William Franklin, and uh, William uh. Franklin was a traitor. Mike, he was a traitor. traitor. Yes. Wow. He was the last royal governor of New Jersey, and when the Revolutionary War broke out, he was imprisoned for being on the British side. Wow. Hmm. And then when he was released, he left to go to England and never came back. He died in England. Good. Bill Franklin, get out of here. <laughs> we don't need you anyways, man. We don't need you, Bill. We got Ben. And I will say Ben uh, basically left him nothing in his will. Good. He, he, he left Will nothing in his will. Um, <laughs> he signed that one too. Yes, He's like Benjamin Franklin, nothing. <laughs> he uh, basically he gave him. I think it was like some uh, a small amount of land in Newfoundland. Mm. That was it. Up in up in Canada, he's like, yeah, take that. Uh, that's not bad. It's not bad, but back then without <laughs> any a little bit of land. Back then with no heat, uh, Newfoundland was pretty rough. Uh, uh, HTH. Uh, sometimes, uh, Mike, Ben got a little irritated with the scientific community of his day and, mm. uh, and what they were focused. He felt like sometimes they were focused on frivolous studies. So mm-hmm. when the uh, mm-hmm. Royal Academy of Brussels called for scientific papers, Benjamin Franklin one time wrote back into them and made a joke scientific paper about farts. Say what? Yeah. Farts. Literally, farts. Human farting. That's what he wrote a paper on. Cool. Breaking wind. And even better, Mm. Mike, he was 75 when he did that. Yes. Yes. Did he call it breaking wind? Was that the title of his? No. I mean, he he did describe (laughs) it as breaking wind, Mike. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Interesting. I mean, technically. yeah. Yeah. 
HTH. Hot, hot, hot takes of history. Mike, a 2016 study found that over a quarter of Americans' population thought that Ben Franklin was a president. Over a fourth. I mean, over a fourth. Even crazier, yeah. though, Mike. Seventy percent of those surveyed people thought that Alexander Hamilton was a president. <clears throat> Seventy. Bro, mm. oh, come on. Seventy. All those yeah. people should have their. I can see that though. Yeah, no, I can see it. All of those people should have their I high mean, school no. degree revoked. I'm sorry. Yeah. Let's take it back. Take it back. Alexander Hamilton, come on. He. I mean, 2016. <laughs> it was even after the play came out, man. Yeah. Lynn Manuel Manuel had already came out with his jumping around. There's no part in that play where he raps about being president. Come on. Anyways, HGH. Takes of history. Mike, last one here. Ben Franklin okay. only had two years of formal education. Hmm. Two years. He went to two years of school and then he became an apprentice in his brother's printing shop. But that didn't stop him from nonstop learning, Mike. Yeah. He pretty much spent all of his money on books. He was always yeah. book, just in a book, man. Yeah. And uh, that's actually one of the reasons why he was a vegetarian, was so he could save money for books. Like, that was what he was looking to buy, you know? Mm. And despite Neat. the minimal uh, form of schooling, he founded the University of Pennsylvania, and he received honorary degrees from Harvard, Yale, College of William and Mary, University of St. Andrews, and Oxford. Ooh. Basically, good, uh, good pretty, much, pretty much all the schools that existed at that time. There's, <laughs> yeah. There's pretty much only like three other schools that existed at that time. Doc G, I don't know if you would know this, maybe, but how long were you in school back then? Like, how long was a formal education? Well, you, I mean, that? you still had pretty much the same timeline if you could afford it. Uh, First grade? Yeah, like, I mean, you went through your, you know, primary education and then secondary education and then higher mm. education. Oh, okay. But, I mean, there there were, like, definitely real different acceptances of colleges, right? Because some mm -hmm. people would just, like, you know, it, acceptance was just all over the board. There was no standardization. So oh, people would you. just yeah. come and, you know, like, rich people would be like, hey— my son's smart. Take him. I'll give you a lot of money. And they're like, sounds good. You know? And then there'd be like passing, uh, like exams to like get in. Like, you know, like, are you smart enough? Oh, okay. You're smart mm -hmm. enough. Because it was really hard to know if they were smart enough. Right? Because like, yeah. there wasn't any, there weren't any public schools at that time. So like, how, to, how, how do you know? Anyways, yeah, Mike. It's just like, can you, can you write period? And it's, all right. So, sorry, Dr. G. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, I, uh, Mike, are you feeling like we can live up to the first American's expectation with this show? Do you think oh, Ben Franklin sure. will like this show? He would definitely, definitely like this show. If we fart enough, Mike, he will. What? He He'll, will. He, he probably will. Are you ready to fire it up? Let's fire up the show, Doc G. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Whew. Mike, we have a fantastic show. We have the one, the only Mark Broussard back and in large and in charge. Huh? He is large back. He has a 20th anniversary from his landmark album, Karen Crow. 
He will be in Ponte Vedra in just about a week and a half. We've got him here. But first, Mike, we need to start where we start. Birthday suits. Happy Mike, you're two and a half out of three for the year. You're 86 out of 153 for your career. 86. Yes, yes. Now, I think this is a three for today, Mike. Okay. I think it's a three for... Here is the uh, condensed clue for the first birthday suit. Born on January 17th, 1982 in Chicago, Illinois... Played basketball for a career. He was number three on the Miami Heat for 15 seasons. D-Wade. D-Wade is correct. Yes. Dwayne Wade grew up on the south side of Chicago, Mike. Uh, Loved football first. He's a big football player. And then he got into basketball. Uh, Decided to go to Marquette. His junior year, he took Marquette to the final four. After his junior season, he went to the NBA draft. He was drafted number five by the Heat. He won his first championship in 2006 with none other than Mr. Shaquille O'Neal. You remember mm-hmm. that one. Oh, yeah. Eventually, he became a three-time champion, finals MVP, uh, 13-time All-Star, eight-time All-NBA, three-time All-Defensive Team, one-time scoring leader, Olympic gold medal winner, and he is on the 75th anniversary team. One of the 75th best players of all time, Dwayne Wade. D-Wade. Jeez. Mike, uh, I will say, my God, January 17th, full of famous birthdays. Really? Yeah, this is one of those that it was just like, my gosh, Michelle Obama's on there, Muhammad Ali was on there, and I mm. was like, I mean, I could choose like, I could choose like eight more other, we could just do birthday suits, but I don't think anybody would <laughs> want to hear that. Uh, regardless, happy birthday to Dwayne Wade. Mike, are you ready to rip some headlines? <laughs> Let's do it. We just a whole uh, show where we just, just do birthdays. Just <laughs> Happy birthday! And it's we're, just a birthday show. <laughs> you're not even gonna guess them either. We'll just we'll just we'll just randomly bring them up. Uh, hey, you know what? Uh, Michelle Obama, she's pretty cool. Yeah, it's her birthday. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What would you get her if you could get her any birthday present? Let's write them down. <laughs> it's now time for rip from the headlines. Uh, Mike, we're going to start with a little follow-up from a story last year. Uh, you remember, uh, from last year's shows, you remember how Snoop came out and he said he was quitting smoke? Yeah. And turned out that it was just a publicity stunt for a yep. smokeless fire pit? Well, yep. the company has decided to pool their smokeless fire pits. Take them, you know, n- no longer have the marketing because apparently nobody's buying them. Oh! <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when I looked at these uh, stories, Mike, I like how most of the news outlets that reported this story reported it as, as it was like the actual marketing that was the problem. Hmm. Like one of the stories said, quote, Snoop Dogg quitting smoke marketing stunt backfired. And I was like, I don't think the marketing stunt backfired. I think the marketing stunt was amazing. I think the product sucked. Like... Hmm. You did your best to reel people into your product, just nobody wanted to buy it. Mm, like, I mean, on, 
Honestly, Mike, who's out there right now that's like, you know what? I'd love a fire pit, but I just can't handle the smoke. I think I'll die if it has smoke involved with it. Like, nope. I feel like anybody that's into a fire pit has already factored that in, you know? They're they're willing yeah. to accept it as a casualty of war. They're like, I'm going to smell like a giant ball of smoke tomorrow when I wake up, and I'm fine with that. Like, that's just... Yeah. If you're a fire pit, dude, that's who you are, you know? Yeah. It's not the smoke is awesome. It's like cologne. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not for me for every day. I'll take it one, you know, one night a year. But you know, yeah. I'm I'm not having one outside of my house just doing it every night. I'm not that dude. But you know, yeah. I'll take it once a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, here's the headline: "Quote, family of 23 year old organ man is told he had died of a drug overdose." He was cremated, and his ashes were stored in an urn, only to find out he's alive and well three months later. Wait, what? (laughs) Now, real quick, before I actually comment anything on the story, Mike, uh, whoever wrote that very long headline could have probably left that the ashes being stored in an urn, they could have probably left that out. You know? (laughs) That's sort of yeah, a given. Like totally. You yeah. know? It's like having a story about Domino's Pizza and being like, they cooked the pizza and then put it into a box. Yeah. To have it delivered. Yeah. Yeah, we got it. That's usually what they do. Yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say something unusual, like something like ironic to the story. Put it but. in a hacky sack. <laughs> what? Word. Really? This is what he wanted. He loved to be kicking around. He was a big fan, but... He is, and now his ashes are a hacky sack. Uh, that's not a bad idea, actually, right. Mike. I'm thinking I want to be in a hacky sack now. Uh, uh, apparently, Tyler Chase was this dude, and he was recovering from drug addiction and was living in a recovery center. And then another person stole his wallet and was using his ID. That person died. Hmm. And when the medical examiner got to the body, you know, they did the lazy way of analyzing it, and they looked at their walls like, oh, it's Tyler Chase. That's who died. That's who we got Brown it. eyes, face. Yeah, yeah they the just guy. sort of, yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, aren't you the medical examiner? Aren't you supposed to do, like, dental records and fingerprints? And instead, you're just like, ah, it's good. He's got a wallet. It's fine. Um, and uh, I, I got to say, if I was Tyler, I definitely would go back to my parents' house as quick as I could just to see if there were, like, any memorials to me. Come back and be like, oh, really, guys? One picture. One picture <laughs> of me. Not even a statue in the front yard. A, One picture and a, a hacky sack. That's it's it. A, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's not even a good hacky sack. This thing is going to fall apart quickly. <laughs> it's my old one. Um, Mike, this is a headline uh, from VT here. Headline, quote, Woman who slept with 300-plus people in a year explains why she's still single. Word. Mike, I don't think she needs to explain it. I think we got it. (laughs) That doesn't need much explaining. The headline explains why she's still single. I got it. Uh, Mike, you know what's hot in the social media streets these days? What? Loud budgeting. Loud budgeting. Loud budgeting. You ever get down on that? No. What is that? Apparently, 
loud budgeting is the opposite of going on social media and trying to look like you've got a lot of uh, money, you know? Mm, ah, so you look really poor. Yeah, well, you go on social media and you let people know you're poor as shit and you're trying to budget everything. You know, mm. you're trying, you, you let people know, all right? Like, you, you get on there and you're like, guess what? I didn't go get my Totino's pizzas until I had coupons <laughs> for them. That's right. <laughs> coupons. You know, like that kind of thing. So, like, end of video. I don't have enough data. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Budgeting my data. I'm worried about it. I got to conserve. You know, like that's uh, that's loud budgeting. You got to let yeah, the... Interesting. And apparently, you know, uh, economists, well, I don't know if it's economists, I guess financial advisors, uh, say that it's uh, beneficial, you know, because uh, it's it's pressure to do the right thing from yeah. from the rest of the population instead of trying to keep up with the you know with the trends and all of the ritzy yeah. stuff you're like you know what no i'm not going out because that costs money i am <laughs> yeah. eating ramen noodles tonight you know so here's my ramen noodles diy <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna uh, it's good too i think for the social media too because you're like you know you see all these rich kids and there's like god i feel about my life mm -hmm. but then you see some poor people and you're like oh i'm doing great yeah well you know i mean you got to have a little comparison you know you yeah, do really exactly. wonder sometimes you, i mean like it is a world of make-believe on there you see these people that oh, are yeah. like 20 years old and they got like ferraris and they're just and, and like you know they're waving wads of cash and you're like hey, where where did that come from how did you influencers do that? what is that <laughs> like i don't even get this this is crazy you know but i'm gonna from now on your story uh, you know, on the on the uh, on the Instagram, the story for the Doc G show is just gonna be me, like looking in my wallet. And I'm gonna be like, I've got a dollar. <laughs> I am not spending this dollar on anything. Okay, I've got to save it. Budget. <laughs> you know, that's what it's gonna be. Anyways, Mike, uh, here's a headline from NPR. Uh, the headline quote again, again. Here's why toddlers. Love to do things on repeat, end quote. Hmm. Mike, Mike, I'm going to throw my two cents in here. My guess would be because they're toddlers. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, like, who does... They're new to the world, Mike. Yeah. Everything is mind-blowing to them. Mm-hmm. Everything's a god magic trick. They're like, what? Yeah. What did you just... You just... You just opened those blinds. A second ago, there was there was no nothing. And now I can see a whole new world outside. Do that one more time. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's crazy. Like Again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, if you want evidence of this, listeners, just find a two-year-old and take a quarter out of their ear. They'll ask you to do it 450 times. What? Try it again. Oh, my God. We are rich. Just do that again seven million times and we'll have seven million quarters. Great. <laughs> like, come on. This is ridiculous. Uh. Mike, little story from KETV in Bellevue, Nebraska. Here's the headline. Bellevue police reminds community that dousing snow in gasoline and lighting it on fire is not how you get rid of snow. Hmm. But a fun way to try to get rid of it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good reminder, Mike. You got to admit, it's a good reminder. Yeah. I was just like, how do you react if you're the dude's neighbor that's planning on doing this and he tells you about it? 
Like, oh, you're going to light your, your snow on fire to, to melt it. Mm. With carcinogenic gas. Just mm. right out there, huh? Can you tell me when you're about to do this so yeah. I can... <laughs> hey, just give me a... <laughs> Call the fire department. Give me a 15 <laughs> seconds so I can get running in the right direction. Uh, I do have a shovel if you need one. <laughs> it's, it's pretty useful. Uh, Mike, last, last story here. Uh, and it's no surprise the story is from Australia. A woman went uh, to put away some clothes in her son's drawer and found a five-foot-long eastern brown snake. Mm. That is not a euphemism for a duty, Mike. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Mike, the eastern brown snake is the second most venomous snake in the world. She called Mark Pelly, who is a snake hunter, and Mark removed the snake. He said, quote, we figured out what happened. She carried in folded washing yesterday, and she was ta- uh, taking the clothes from the clothesline. The brown snake crawled into it. Hmm. So first off, if, Mike. Yeah. Well, first of off, I, I'm, I'm glad everyone is okay. That's nice. You know? Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, it's, uh, it's good that they got the snake out of the clothing drawer, but... It's also a little frightening that they're so plentiful, they're just dropping into your sheets outside. <laughs> I don't know how feels how safe I'd feel walking outside if there's just venomous snakes shooting around that you're like, oh, did some of them get in my backpack there? Whoops, okay, that's bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Second, no offense to the mom. I mean, I don't know why she'd take offense to this, but like, how do you not notice there's a 10-pound snake in your sheets? You know? Like, hmm. I've felt a sheet, Mike. Uh, I know I would notice the difference between a sheet and a sheet with a 10-pound snake in it. Yeah, it's but you not know all, how, like, sometimes the, the, the fitted part of the sheet, sometimes you get all the, the pillowcases and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's a weighted Just blanket. Just the next <laughs> Maybe it's a weighted blanket. blanket. Yeah. Weighted blanket, yeah. That it's could true. be a... <laughs> True. But lastly, Mike, I was thinking about this when I saw this story. <sighs> snake needs a new name. Yes! You know? Brown snake? Like, I mean, you got all these other snakes in Australia with bad <laughs> names. Tiger snake. <clears throat> yeah. Death adder. And then Death you've adder. Got, yeah. <laughs> and then you've got the brown snake. Yeah. Just lame, man. If you didn't say the death thing, I was going to say death snake. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you you could do a a deadly brown snake. Just add deadly to it. That's fine, (laughs) you know? But uh, on a side note, Mike. Doom snake. You know how doom? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good one. Now you're thinking, Mike. Creativity. Did you you switch to a vegetarian diet? Is that it? Hey, you know, I'm very clear-minded today. Clearer thoughts. Clearer (laughs) thoughts. Let me take Uh, off my bifocals real quick. Hold on. (laughs) Let me put on my pants. Hold on a second. Uh, but side note, Mike, if you, you know, you, a lot of times you bring up dangerous animals in Australia and people be like, ah, it's overhyped. There aren't that many dangerous. Mike, there are 140 species of snake in Australia. A hundred of them are venomous. Whoa. Yeah. Listeners, that means if you run into a snake in Australia, there's a better chance of that thing being poisonous 
than Mike getting the birthday suit question correct on this fine program. Ugh, that is statistically accurate, yes. That's statistically <laughs> high, too. Come on. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> Anyways, Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear from the one, the only, Mr. Mark Broussard, right here on the Doc G Show. Here on the Doc G a Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Mike, what do the listeners need to do? Doc G, if the listeners feel like the show is a positive way to waste their time, they should please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Mm. We're on YouTube, wherever mm. you get your podcasts. It's a cost-effective way to support the show. And if you're feeling extra generous, please leave us a five-star review and a comment. We love comments. Also, Doc G, mm-hmm. super helpful to the show if mm-hmm. a listener told their friend about the show. Oh, yeah. Word if of they mouth. Told somebody, yeah. That's right. Word, word of mouth. Just go tell somebody. And, like, you know, because listeners, let me tell you something. It doesn't work when I do it. <laughs> if I tell somebody to listen to the show, it's like offering them a pile of dump on a plate. They're like, oh, God, no, I'm not going to listen to that thing. Right? But if you do, they'll believe you guys. Yeah, they will. They will. They'll, they'll be like, my friend my friend Jesse told me I need to listen to this thing. Mm-hmm. I should listen to this yeah. thing. You know? They'll believe it, man. So get, get out there. Spread the word, listeners. Spread the word. And yes, Mike, the, the, the YouTube... It's flourishing. It is. It's getting there. We got like I, I don't know. I looked at the analytics recently. I think in the past like uh, um, past uh, twenty days or so, uh, like ten thousand hours of um, of uh, of views. Wow, Mike. Yeah, Say that's incredible. What? Basically, all on shorts too, listeners. Yeah, thank on you. The short videos. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, anyways, Mike, we need to thank the uh, the regulars here. We do. Here we go. Shout out Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Frankfurt, Germany, Anoka, Minnesota, Ashburn, Virginia, Piracai, Brazil, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Oregon, Bordeaux, and Oregon, Genoa, Italy, Richard, Texas, Barcelona, Spain, Winfield, West Virginia, Luxy, Mississippi, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Peoria, Illinois, Katy, Texas, Toms River, New Jersey, Olive Branch, Mississippi, Asheville, North Carolina, Los Angeles, California, Spartansburg, South Carolina, Athens, Georgia, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Chicago, Illinois, and Boynton, Virginia. Couple of screw-ups. A couple, couple of screw-ups. <laughs> it's, uh, it's okay. It's okay. The regulars understand. They understand, Mike. Thank you for they being do. regulars. We appreciate it. We do. Uh, Mike, we have some interesting four stars. I was happy. There was a lot of interesting four cool. stars. For, first what off, top on the list, Charleston, South Carolina. Shout Love out it. to Charleston. Thank you, Charleston. Low country, just enjoying... Enjoying Market Street, enjoying the battery. Oh, I'm a local yokel, Charleston. I know all about the stuff going down in your town, okay? Hmm. Uh, actually, I haven't been there for several years, but I used to frequent there a lot, mm-hmm. all right? Nashville, Tennessee, shout out to the Music City there. Shout out to Council Bluffs, Iowa. 
Shout out to Brunswick, Georgia. Shout out to Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta. Shout out to Fresno, California. Shout out to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Then right outside of Fort Lauderdale, shout out to Sunrise, Florida. Shout out to New Haven, Connecticut. Shout out to Juarez, Mexico. Shout out to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Shout out to Brooklyn, New York. Shout out to Warsaw, Poland, Mike. There we go. Warsaw, Poland. Warsaw, yeah, Warsaw. Uh, Mike, thank you to all the listeners. We appreciate it, of course. We do. Keep listening. Cheers to you. I'm having a little fruit punch Mio today. <laughs> nice. Mm, fruity. Mike, we need to move on to the f- true facts you didn't know but need to know and probably don't. Okay? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Now, do you want to choose, Mike, astronomy, botany, human physiology, pop culture, geography, or animal physiology? Human physiology. Human physiology. Mike, uh, as long as the perichondrium membrane is intact, human ribs can grow back. It's the only what? bone in mammals that can do that. What? Yeah. The ribs yeah. grow back? Yeah, as long as there's a membrane that surrounds them, and as long as that membrane is still healthy and still there, yes, ribs can and grow back. How do you? Uh, how does that go unhealthy? What would have to happen for it to uh, not produce Honestly, more I ribs? Honestly, I couldn't go into more detail uh, there. Okay, Mike. that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I would say Just this curious. is not my forte of human physiology that's fine yes, that's okay it's basically like a our version of the lizard tail that's mm. it cool that's it all right cool, now cool, that cool. we knock that one out mike you want to do another one bot yeah pop culture geography history or animal physiology uh astronomy is that still astronomy. available yeah. Yeah. It's still, uh, th- this one I, I think a lot of people know this one but I just thought it was interesting it's only 62 miles from sea level to space. Oh, wow. Yeah. I guess that seems like a lot, though. Yeah, well, I mean, you think about it, right? If you if you could just drive a car, it'd only take you an hour to get to space. Yeah. Going at that pace, you'd from, get like, to space. From, the Mariana Trench, right? No, 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 from, from, from the ocean. Oh, One just hour. from the o- ocean surface. Yeah, sea, sea oh, level. okay. Sea oh, level. You did say that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sixty-two oh. miles, not that far. No. But then, of course, if you you know, then you want to go to Mars. Now you're talking real, real far. But just yeah. just getting there into outer space, sixty-two miles. And I got to be honest, you know those pictures from right at space? It looks pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, it does. Not nearly awesome enough for me to actually want to go on one of those trips. No, f- way. wouldn't no. be included in any of those. But pretty cool. If uh, if I knew a person that was going, I'd be like, hey. Send me some pics when you get back. Yeah. You know, that looks pretty yeah. awesome. Mike, uh, <laughs> post let's on your see. stories. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I like it. Um, Mike, history, geography, pop culture, or uh, animal physiology? What do you want to hear? Let's do animal physiology. Mike, this one's going to blow your mind. Marsupials. You know marsupials, right? Kangaroos. Kangaroos, uh, possums. 
possums are possum. uh, you know oh, okay. wombats wombats um, they have all marsupials three vaginas oh wait what yeah it's a party <laughs> it's what, take your pick <laughs> it's ridiculous down there mike three three that's crazy but uh mike i'm gonna uh. end i'm gonna end let's see which one do i want to do they're all so fun they're all so fun um how about this one let's end on this one we'll do the pop culture one well, okay. uh, mm, ah, yeah okay i'm gonna do the pop Girl, culture. come on hagen mike you know hagen right of course yeah doesn't mean anything your favorite shake by the way your favorite shake. shake. Yes. Yeah. It means nothing, Mike. That name's just gibberish. Hagendaz. Yeah. <laughs> Ruben Ruben and Rose Mattis of the Bronx, New York. They made that up because they thought it uh it was foreign sounding name would make a better ice cream seller mm. than just, you know, like ice cream. Yeah. And they went with Danish-sounding name because of Denmark's actions to save Jewish people during the uh, World War II. Ah. That's cool. And it worked. <laughs> it's pretty famous now. It's pretty famous now. Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back with none other than Mark Broussard right here on the Doc G Show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are super happy to be welcoming a returning guest, a fantastic singer who is celebrating the 20th anniversary of his second album, Karen Co. He's going to be in Ponte Vedra at the Ponte Vedra Concert Hall Friday, January 26th and Saturday, January uh, 28th, or sorry, 27th. Mark Broussard. Mark, how's it going, sir? Man, I'm doing good. How you do, Ben? I'm doing good, man. I am doing good. You know, trying to get 2024 off right. You know, the man, uh, this weather's not making it the easiest. I'll tell you that it's nasty out, isn't it? It it it, it like we were talking about before we started. It's 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 one. It's it's not good southern weather. No. Two. It's uh it's fluctuating. I don't like I don't like the teases. I know a lot of people do. Yeah. They like the you know the one day that it's like 70 and nice, but. That just leaves me wanting more. I see it and I'm like, oh, that. Yeah. Oh, it's gone. Yeah. Uh, I agree 100%. Make up your mind, Mother Nature. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that almost almost sounded like you could have gone another way with that. Make up your mind, Mother Nature. <laughs> <laughs> your, uh, your beard is looking uh, very strong these days, but it's also it's looking well trimmed there. Yes. You have it trimmed I, I, recently? Fact, I did. I trimmed it uh, two nights ago. We were going to see a show, my wife and I. I was at the deer lease, I mean, at the duck lease um, for about four days, and I, I came back home from the duck hunt looking pretty haggard, so it was time for a little trim. 
Do do you have? I don't have a, a a timeline. There's no like. I just sort of go until I look in the mirror one day and I'm like, oh, a hundred percent. That's not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, okay. I I do the exact same thing. Yeah. Okay, uh, generally, generally the. You know, I never get complaints about the beard when it's short, but I do get complaints from certain fans, especially older gals. They're like, I just, I wish you would trim that up. It's so much. So I try to keep it short when we're about to take off for the road again as well. This is short. This is a short beard. Yeah. Make no mistake about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> one of those beards is like right up against, that's just way too much work. Yeah. That's. Cause then you're doing it like every single day, you yeah. know. It's, I, I mean, that's like, that. that's like, that's like with my hair. People always think I'm trying to make some kind of, you know, uh, s s some kind of commentary, some kind of style choice. I'm like, no, it's just lazy to be honest. It's a lot easier. <laughs> I just put it up every single day and forget about it. Like that's I, uh, I, with my hair recently. Um, I I I was kind of in a hotel room we were on tour on the west coast and my keyboard player came to the room to get the the trailer keys from me because he mm -hmm. left something in the van or whatever and i decided as a practical joke that i would give him the keys and then shave my head and hopefully get it done by the time he got back to the room to <laughs> just you know play a joke yeah. on him and <laughs> i only i only got about i only got about halfway maybe three quarters of the way i was i was looking pretty wild that night but <laughs> yeah, I, I I haven't sat in a barber's chair more than about a half dozen times in the last 12 years, 10 years, something like that. I just, uh, I get the trimmers out. I, I put a, you know, one or two guard on there and I, I trim it up. Yeah, it's, 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 it's easily maintainable yourself. Like, for I mean, sure. that's for sure. If, if I didn't just let it grow out for literally the last time I let it grow out for like four years before I cut it. Uh, if I didn't do that, I would just basically shave it every single day. Yeah. It's just like, you know, but, uh, how, how were the holidays? Everything good on the holidays? Oh yeah, man. We had a couple of really good shows down here that we do every year, uh, down here in Louisiana, right around Christmas time, um, culminating with the Eve of Christmas Eve down in new Orleans. It's a nice. big old party, about a thousand people show up to this, this spot right on the edge of the town. And, uh, we have an absolute ball and then of nice. course you know spending family uh spending time with family on christmas is is something that i've enjoyed a lot i usually work on new year's eve as well and this yeah. year i didn't i, I didn't mm. work on new year's eve this year which is a real real nice treat we just went yeah. and hung out with some friends and popped some fireworks i think i was in nice. bed before midnight though that's the best way to do it that's what i do that's what that's that's uh, with with the uh, with the family, uh, from what I can tell, I was I was I was going through your social media. I got to say, it seems like your daughter Ella, uh, uh, she she likes to deal in shenanigans. Is that is she's, that fair to say? She's the best. All right, she's <laughs> my favorite story to tell about Ella is right after COVID lockdowns, when the money was getting a little tight and things were starting to get a little concerning. Mm -hmm. uh we got a, a license in from a bank in new zealand they licensed a song of mine and it was a nice payday it was gonna get us through a couple of months at least yeah and um i i got off the phone with my manager come to the kitchen to tell my wife about this deal that we just got and my daughter was within earshot she was mopping up the dining room mm -hmm. 
And when my when I told my wife the figure, my daughter drops the broom. She says, "You take that deal. You hear that kind of money, you take that deal. But don't let them think you're too eager. Tell them you think about it first." She was <laughs> she was nine years old when I when that happened, man. She's uh she's come out to sell merch with us, you know, on occasion. She'll she'll come out on the road and come help mom sell merch. And, nice. And you know. I've heard like fans walk up to the table and say, can you tell me about the shirt? And she does. It's 60, 40, 60% polyester, 40% cotton. It's, it, she's a doll, man. She's our favorite Shh. by far. Shh. Shh. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> don't, don't worry. I don't think your other kids listen to the show. I think it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Do, what, does she actually, <clears throat> does she actually like, does she play like practical jokes on you guys or no? Is she not that type of shenanigan dealer? <laughs> She's been known to pull a prank or two on occasion, uh, making some fake dog poop and, you know, picking it up and eating it in front of us and, you know, that kind of stuff. She's, yeah, she's the best, man. I love nice. this little girl. Nice. Nice. Well, last time, last time you were on the show, I, uh, I asked you where, where I should eat in Lafayette and you, uh, you gave me Pops Po' Boys, um, and I followed them on Instagram, and I got to tell you, man, some of those sandwiches that they have. Colin, Colin Cormier is one of the finest chefs that this place has ever produced, in my opinion. And the fact that he, is, he isn't doing fine dining and, and chose instead to do sandwiches every day is, I think, a dream come true, to be honest. Um it's there's there's some other great spots in town pops is is the go-to for me on lunch um for dinner there's a new spot in town actually right up the road from pops called oh. vestal vestal's mm. got this raw menu that's to die for it's got some caviar it's got some raw oysters from in, imported from uh, new brunswick and all over the place he's got uh tuna crudo and a beef cat uh, beef tartare that i absolutely love and then the wife and I usually like split a steak and the steaks Man. are some of the best I've ever had. So Man. did I tell you about the French press though? Uh, for, for breakfast, right? Yes. The French press yeah. for breakfast mm -hmm. is, is, is still to this day, in my, in my opinion, the best dish on planet earth. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. One of so, them, at I, least. It sounds it sounds dangerous in Lafayette, man. It's I mean, dangerous as far as just, I would eat way, way too much. I yeah, wouldn't. you do have to discipline yourself. In fact, my brother-in-law, my wife's brother, just opened up a specialty meat store. That's kind of a famous. They they got a they they bought into this this kind of famous uh, staple institution of a of a meat store, and they mm -hmm. opened up a second location right in my hometown here Ooh. in Karen Crow. I mean, the other spot was only about ten minutes, fifteen minutes drive, but this is like three minutes, and it's my brother-in-law. And I want to help. Got to support out, you know? the family. I got to support the family. So there's this stuff called Buddha that's really mm -hmm. a delicacy down here. It's like a pork mm -hmm. stuffed, uh, pork rice dressing stuffed in a sausage casing. Yeah. And then we got hog cracklings and chicken cracklings. And uh, um, yeah, I'm I'm trying my best to discipline myself. It's hard, but I get to have leave. you. I get to go away. So have you ever had the the dirty bird from Pops Po Boys? I've never had the dirty bird. No. That's oh, probably just God. a fried chicken po' boy. Yeah, it's a fried chicken with with gravy on it, oh, and yeah. uh, oh man, and and cheddar cheese, and it's just 
I don't know what like the the cycle is, but every now and then I'll go on Instagram. I'll see that one. I'm just like, <laughs> I might drive 400 miles just to have that thing. <laughs> I might do it. I just, it's uh yeah. Whew, well, he actually good. started. So he he actually started the Po' Boy Festival here in Lafayette as well. So if you really are into sandwiches, man, that's that's the time of year to come. When come is that? For, I don't even know. Actually, it's gonna have to look it up. I, mean, I, I have to. Yeah, I think it's. I'm, in the I'm gonna fall, make I, a. I can't. I can't tell you. I'm gonna make a fake. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell the radio station we have to do a live Let's show. Let's do a live from the. Yeah, we got co-host. Oh yes, yes, you heard it. You heard it, listeners. We're holding them to it. Fantastic. Well, now that we've got our our food topics out of the way, uh, 2023 was it was a good year for you uh, as far as uh, music and 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 touring. Uh, you had the release of the fourth installment of the SOS series. Uh, this time, blues for your soul. So That's the right. uh, the third was a lullaby collection. Yeah, and uh, you switched it more to uh, blues. What made you what What made you end up on blues for this one? Man, honestly, it was about the so so the lullaby album was. Uh, I, for those of you who don't know, we. We started doing these charitable projects called the SOS albums. Mm -hmm. SOS stands for My Foundation, Save Our Soul. Mm -hmm. And we started doing these these charity projects where we we pick a particular charity to match up with with these albums. So the Lullaby album was used to raise funds for a new children's hospital that that got uh, opened up here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, and I set my sights on something that uh, is very near and dear to my heart. Um, because I, my family hasn't been affected uh, dramatically by incarceration, but I've got tons of friends that have absolutely been affected by incarceration. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to do something to uh, to raise money for, for folks that are out here trying to keep kids out of the prison systems and keep kids occupied with with productive things on their mind and their in their hands. Nice. And uh I thought that the blues was a nice match for, for, for that project. So I reached out to a buddy of mine who, uh, who's kind of a close confidant. He's a, uh, a production partner of, of mine as well in the past. He, he actually produced the first SOS album, mm. uh, and maybe the second album as well. Yeah. He produced the second as well, Calvin Turner. And, uh, you know, was just looking for some, some advice and some help. And he said, man, you know, I've been doing these string and horn arrangements for Joe Bonamassa these last few few years. He's producing a bunch of these records for a bunch of bunch of different people that are, you know, blues artists. I think you should call him and, and see if they'll work with you on it. I said, well, look, you grease the wheels from that end. I'll reach out from my end and we'll see if we can't meet in the middle. And sure enough, uh, Joe and his team jumped on the project immediately. Um, they helped me put a, a playlist together. Uh, typically these albums are selected by committee. You know, I have everybody submit playlists and then I kind of go through the playlist cross-reference lists. If there's anything that's duplicated, those usually get an automatic green light. And then we kind of vote by committee to flesh out the rest of the playlist. But this one really came from Joe's team. Um, they put together a list and, uh, I, I kind of went through and selected the things that I thought were great submitted it back and they were all very very happy about it so we made a schedule to get into the studio with joe's band at sunset sound in hollywood california mm -hmm. and man you know it was going so 
fast that we actually purposely slowed down. We wanted to maximize our time that we had already blocked out in the studio and we're going to be paying for. But we could have knocked this thing out in two days. It was flying. Nice. Yeah, we were flying in the studio. So well, I, I really owe Joe and his whole squad a massive debt of gratitude for helping me get this project together. For sure. For sure. Well, I noticed, you know, you mentioned as far as like, Joe went a little bit more deep cuts on the on the songs, you know, oh, it yeah. wasn't as, you know, I mean, you look at your other SOS projects, I mean, as, and, and there's there's always like you have pretty much on most of them this big name cover that everybody is going to know, you know, sure. and and on this one, you got a lot of ones that, uh, you know, I, I feel like it's almost easier for you to make your own because they are that 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 deeper cut that people don't have an association with at least you know not blues fans i should say maybe maybe your fans that haven't been super inundated with the blues well you know the blues as a genre especially mod in in the modern era is really defined by players mm -hmm. so there's there's not a whole lot of modern stand-up blues singers and you know that's yeah. all they do Joe slings, you know, he plays the, the, the crap out of the guitar. Mm -hmm. Everybody else in the genre is is really a guitar slinger more than a vocalist. Yeah. And I'm not a slinger. I'm a singer. So we we had to go deeper into the vaults and find those cuts that I would showcase my voice in the best possible light, as well as be somewhat recognizable or at least authentically blues tunes, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um and then too, you know, we we stretched a little bit, like with BB's. Uh, I like to live the love. That's mm -hmm. more. It's kind of more of a soul song than most of BB's catalog, right? But because it's BB, we could take that liberty. Um, yeah. The, the most fun that I had was was singing Bobby Blue Bland, though. Bobby's been a huge influence on me for my entire life, and nice. to be able to cut those songs and get a little bit of validation, his his son actually, uh, and former drummer. You, he reached out once the record came out uh, and, and gave me a lot of love about those covers that we did. So, oh, that's all awesome. in all, man, yeah, it was a blast to make this album. How was, uh, now we've had, we've had Joe on the show before and uh, he's a, he's a character. How was he, how yeah. was he working, uh, working as producer there? You know, he's such a humble cat. Uh, he doesn't really assert any kind of authority in, in any way. He 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 knows that he surrounds himself with the best people, uh, and he kind of lets everybody do their thing. And it's just about making sure that those those key players are in the right spot. So we've got a great engineer, and uh, the the guy knows exactly how to how and when to turn those switches. And uh, he he was a joy to work with. He nice. never never hesitated to get up out of the chair. I brought my own guitar player. Called my buddy Eric Krasno to come in and guest as well, and you know, bringing a guitar player to a Joe Bonamassa session is kind of like bringing sand to the beach. That's but, a little intimidating, yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and some in some respects fairly useless because the, the <laughs> you're asking the best player in the bunch to get up out of the chair, but nonetheless, he never hesitated to get up out of the chair uh, and, and and let somebody else have the spotlight. It was it was a joy. It was a real well, joy to work with him and get closer as friends. He he played on uh, on four tracks as far as guitar, right? I think it was four on the album. Uh I couldn't say off the top of my head, but that sounds low. Yeah, it may <laughs> just not be credited. Well, like I, I wonder because you know 
I don't know how many guitars Joe has. 17,000. Does he bring like 400 guitars or did he just bring like one guitar? No, he probably had about five or seven guitars, if I had to guess. Right. I remember one day he ran out and bought a guitar. Uh, he, he saw some deal at, at the store, ran, a, ran down there and grabbed the guitar and came right back and put it on the track. Uh, <laughs> you were but, like, is that, I don't mean to question the producer, but is that really necessary? You couldn't, uh, one of the other 18,000 that you already he wanted, got? <laughs> he wanted that guitar for whatever reason. He wanted it. It was a good deal. He's a savvy, savvy guitar buyer. He is, for, he is a collector, sure. man. He is oh, a yeah. collector. It is insane. So like just wa going through his Instagram and him posting those guitars. I'm just like, what? what? How much did that cost? That had to be an insane cost, like just nuts. Well, well, I don't think you amass a collection like that by necessarily just paying top dollar at it at all. Oh, stages. no, just I think no. I think he's he's the kind of guy that really, really works hard to find those gems that uh, that some grandmother found under the, you know, under a bed somewhere that's been sitting in a case uh and, and and give him fair compensation but i don't think he's out there just writing blank checks to everybody i think he's a, he's a very very savvy buyer of guitars for sure it's uh it's impressive uh, we had when we had joe on he actually uh, he was talking about when you guys uh recorded and he had a picture of this when you were recording the album keanu reeves oh yeah strolls in one day yeah what, what, I'm guessing that's the first time Keanu's ever uh, came into one of your recording sessions. Yeah, that was my first time for sure, and I think everybody else's as well. He was touring the facility. He was he was taking a look at the the studios there at Sunset mm -hmm. uh, to to I think book for his own band. Yeah, and we were kind of on a break already. He did. They didn't. They were standing outside in the in like the courtyard. And it looked like they didn't want to come and interrupt us. And I, I said, hey, man, feel free. We're not tracking. We're on a break right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Check out the tracking room. Yeah. And uh, Joe says, it, it, Krasno was there and Joe was there and all of us being there. Joe says, we cannot miss this opportunity for a photograph. We got to get a photo. So I kind of, you know, sheepishly went into the track room and said, hey, buddy. And he thought we were coming back in to go back to work. I was like, actually, nah, we were just hoping we could get a, get a pick. And I'm sure he was nice about it, wasn't he? He was extremely nice about it. It was fairly awkward, though, the whole thing. <laughs> the whole thing was a bit awkward, you know? Is I it, feel like I would have had to, like, quote Bill and Ted at some point in time or John John Wick or something. <laughs> I'd have to give him give him some kind of quote, and he'd be like, yeah, I've heard it a thousand times. I know, I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, nah, it was extremely brief, but very, very cool. Well, uh, you just, uh, a couple months ago, you had a string of shows there in Europe. Yeah. And uh, I saw all the theaters. Such a cool, so many cool theaters on that on that uh, run. I mean, like, just the, the architecture and the history of them. And they were packed, too. I mean, you had some videos there of you guys, like you singing a cappella. I know at one place, and it's just such a cool room. I mean, just just the 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 concert hall that it looks like. Um, I, I, I'm guessing all the shows went pretty well there. Yeah, you know, the European audience has embraced me uh, in in many respects. 
more robustly than the than any single market in the u.s for sure mm -hmm. we sell more tickets there than we do here um you know per show generally it's kind of a surreal experience to go over there and walk into a room and sell 2,000 or 3,000 tickets when I haven't yeah. ever, I've never even sniffed that here in the U S yeah. I've been going over there for, I think something like 17 years or so. And we've just grown it and grown it and grown it and grown it and really tried to be as consistent as we can and going back every year, year in and year out. And uh, it's paid off. It's paid some huge dividends for us, for sure. So now we go over and we crush. It's a ball. I, I've I've heard uh, from a lot of artists that, you know, do a lot of European tours that it's sort of like you, you have their undivided attention. It's a oh, little yeah. bit different from America and the <laughs> fact that, like, they come to that concert and it's like zero in until you're finished. And then it's then the then they'll give the applause but like while it's going on they're they're on you you know it's similar to here though uh, a saturday night is different than tuesday night um mm. you know that when when we're playing on saturday night everybody's real amped up and and having a good time mm -hmm. but they are extremely respectful folks mm -hmm. and when it comes to audiences they're extremely extremely respectful and it's nice it can get slightly awkward at times because sometimes I want to pull a little more from a crowd, you know, especially if, yeah. if I'm feeling Friday night and I want, I want to get, get y'all up and dancing. So sometimes it can be a little, a little subdued as well. Yeah. It, you know, it, I, I wouldn't say one is better than the other. You just, For sure. as you know, you, again, you got a Tuesday night that's going to feel very, very different from that Saturday night in the same week in a different town. So, yeah. Uh, as a musician, I try to adjust to the crowd. I try to make sure mm -hmm. that, that we can make some moves, call some audibles. Yeah. Uh, my, my set list has never really been a very hard and fast set list. It's always more been a uh, more of a song list. So my guys know to stay on their toes. Nice. Well, well speaking of international shows, I, I was taking a look at your, uh, your Spotify page, and I noticed that Australia and New Zealand are four out of the top five listening spots to your music. Yeah. And, and I, now, have have you ever gone on tour there? I've never been. No, we, we were in talks with a guy about going over uh, last year. Yeah. And those talks disappeared. So, yeah, I've yet to go. And I'm very, very excited about going. My yeah. wife has been dying. She's been begging me for our entire marriage to take her down there. She's been fascinated since she was a little girl. So... I usually like to try and 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 uh, and get vacations paid for if I can help it like that. Makes so, sense. Yeah. Book book a few shows, hang out for a little bit, you know. Yeah. A little 50 50. Yeah. I like it. I like. Was that part of when you were talking about that uh, licensing deal? I mean, did you see bumps from things like that or is it just sort of all organic down under I, as far as them liking you? I have no idea why we have fans anywhere. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you about Cleveland, much less Sydney. Yeah, it's. Oh, I. You know, I was thinking about it. Have you? Have you ever listened to? Have you ever heard of the band, uh, the Teskey Brothers? Of course. Yeah, those those guys. I mean, you know, they vibe with your sound a lot. I feel like the Teskeys, you know, those The Teskies do two nights in a stadium in Amsterdam. Those, they, they, those, I think it holds like sixty thousand people. 
They kill, man. They kill. And they don't they, do that in Australia, I don't think. You. Well, what's wilder is that the Teskies played right before me in North Sea Jazz Fest in Rotterdam. Mm-hmm. Probably about eight years ago, something like that. Maybe not even that long ago, six years ago. Yeah. And there might have been 200 people in the tent. And it was like, like when, by the when they started, there was several thousand people in that tent. And by the end of their set, there might have been 200 people in that tent. Fast forward a few years and they're selling 60,000 tickets two nights in a row. That's a rise to stardom that's kind of unrivaled in, in my experience. I've never seen yeah. anything like it. Yeah, they I mean, they, they've got some talent, too. It is. It is. Oh, wild, great. But yeah, but they, uh, that kid I love his butt off. And I love that, you know, they they are sort of fascinated with always doing it old school as far as recording. Like, I mean, they recorded it all analog. They bought all of the analog equipment themselves. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's impressive, but you know, I mean, you, 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 you go down there and make it happen. A, a Teskey Mark Broussard ticket. Come on, come on. That's a, we, we actually talked to them already about it. We we're, we're in talks about putting together a tour together. There it is uh, in, in in Europe. So we'll see if we can pull it off. I I really hope we can because I really like that band. Yeah, man they they have some they have some killer tunes. I love them. I love them. But uh, yeah, I mean you know you get you got to go down and see their their folks in in Australia because apparently Australia loves mm. you and New Zealand. Well, you know, and I would probably stick more to New Zealand. You know, because I yeah. mean New Zealand. No offense to Australia, but they don't have as nearly as many deadly animals. I mean. You know, when I you, you never see anything about New Zealand with like crocodiles and jellyfish well, and this spiders and this snakes. And I got to be honest, all of those things freak me out. So yeah, but those you know. Maoris, those Maori folks aren't to be messed with either. But that's some dangerous no. folks. If you if no. you transgress somebody the wrong way, you might you know you might have to get dealt with by. by but at least I can talk to brother. them. I can't I can't talk to a saltwater <laughs> crocodile. You know, like that's. I just uh, and like the I don't know. Have you ever seen those huntsman spiders in yeah. Australia? Oh God! Oh, yeah. I mean, like, like they're not poisonous. And every Australian I talk to, they're like, ah, they're harmless. And I'm like, but they're giant and they freak me out. Like this is, yeah. And I'm sure they hurt. They or might not the be clock, poisonous. The clock, they have a clock spider too that's massive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a bunch of. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, but. It'd still be a it bucket list time to check it no off doubt. as far as going down there. Um, well, let's let's talk about the main event the of this upcoming tour here. Karen Crow, twenty years, sure, which is is hard to believe. I mean, this is one of the seminal albums for you. Uh, how, how did you know in general? How did this album change your life? What was you know? Oh, I mean, I, I wouldn't have a career with that album but without that album. I, I doubt very seriously that without home, uh, that I would have a career in this business. It was certainly a launch pad, um, but has been by far my most popular album to date. Still to this day, the fans know more of that album than any of the other albums. It's. Uh, I can't even begin to process that it's been 20 years and what's happened in those 20 years. I'm really still friend. I'm still friends with everybody involved in the making of that album from the label on down. Um, 
the producer of that album, Marshall Altman, and I are still very, very close. Uh, Calvin Turner, the bass player, Chad Gilmore, the drummer, are two of my best friends in the world. Uh, and those guys are, have, have been foundational in helping me become the man that I am. So in, in every respect, I owe... Uh, much of my existence and my and my success to that that one moment, that one album. I mean, it, it is it's it's crazy. I mean, when you look at your life, like you said, like I mean, when you when you started that album, you 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 had ah ah kid coming, and yeah. uh, and now now you've got now now you've got four, and they're yeah. they're mostly grown up. I mean, they're all you know they they're all double digits now. It's yeah. wild. Yeah, no, the the kid that was that was born, I think he was born seven days after the release of that album, is is he just made twenty one years old. Uh, actually, he was born before that album, but we were in the process of making it, I think. But all in all, man, you know, I learned some hard lessons. I learned about how to negotiate with a record label. Um. Uh, you know how to pick and choose battles some of them i picked wrongly some some i think i i handled myself well and uh like i said you know i, I wouldn't have a career that album got me on tour with maroon 5 which exposed me to a fan base that has been with me for the last 20 years they still come out i still see them every time we come to their cities and uh you know those folks have put food on my table and a roof over my head and helped me put my kids through school and uh, I've really afforded me a, a very blessed life. So I'm sure. extremely grateful for that album. Have you uh, have you thought about recreating the album cover for the tour? I See did. if anybody notices. I, I did recreate it. We did a we did a little promo shoot uh, not too long ago. I think it's on my Instagram somewhere. Oh man, I gotta go find it then. I didn't yeah. I didn't see that. I gotta say I <laughs> I feel like there's a little bit of change in the last twenty yeah, years. Yeah, I mean it's it's like a mile and a half that way is where we shot that thing. <laughs> it's uh you got uh I mean the, the beard has definitely grown since then. Definitely, definitely. Could you grow a full beard then? Oh, I could grow this when I was in the seventh grade oh you're one of those dudes oh yeah okay okay see i couldn't like that was the thing i couldn't grow a full beard until it's like 25 that's so, like, strange I to me yeah yeah i couldn't like it, it took a while like back when i was you know uh like what well, you were what 22 when that album came out right uh no i was 20 20 uh, i believe so yeah 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 i think i was 20 Oh yeah, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I, my timeline gets all screwed up. You're right. It was 2004. I was 22. You're right. Yeah. yeah so like that, you know, I would have had just like a little. There would have been like a little hair here, and that would have been it. Like and basically, some, like the rest of it would be patchy. Oh, it would have been patchy. It would have been horrible. Like that I was wonder, the thing. I wonder how that changed. That's amazing it's, to me. You know, it just. Uh, strong will i told yeah. my face you need to grow you need to get out there because i mean honestly it's just yeah no I, some people some people are late growers on beards sometimes it, <laughs> it 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 takes a while to sprout but i don't think i've uh, ever heard of a late blooming beard i don't think i've ever it, heard of it trust me it's it they're out there we are right. out there you're a testament yeah sure. it, there it is well, you, you, so you're going through the whole album each show yeah so you're doing all the songs 
Um, I'm yeah, I don't think that- we're doing them in order. I don't think we're doing them in order. And most of the arrangements are going to be pretty spot on to the record. Mm-hmm. There are we will take some liberties in certain spots just to just to be a little more creative and and put a nice show together. But uh, yeah, I haven't played some of this stuff in over a decade. Some I was about to say, played. were there there's some that you had to brush off and go, oh yeah, okay. oh yeah. Where you are is a song. Where you are is a song that I refused to play. I didn't like it when I first put it on this album, and I was forced to to put it on the album by the record label. And my my producer Marshall Altman promised me that he would sabotage it in the mix process. And <laughs> he ended up putting out a mix that the label absolutely loved and wanted to use as a first single. That's what I'm talking about about picking and choosing those battles. Yeah. I was I was head to head on a regular basis with my label uh, about which song should be the first single. I thought Home should be the first single. They sh- thought Where You Are should be the first single. Oh, look who was right, huh? Well, huh. <laughs> you know, I didn't help by not. So they would send radio promo guys out to to take these program directors out to dinner and wine and dine them. And you know, my radio guy is saying, "Oh man, I can't wait for you to hear this song. You're gonna love this guy. He sings the crap out of this song." And then they'd bring them to the show, and I wouldn't play the song. <laughs> so it kind of killed the momentum that they, any momentum that they were trying to get for that song. In fact, I yeah. was supposed to do it on national TV one time. We were playing in, in New York City, and we were we we're going to do Home and then Where You Are. And she, mm-hmm. the, the anchor gets back from commercial break, and she says, and once again, here's Mark Broussard with Where You Are. And as she's saying that, I turn to the band and say, play rock steady. And the guy said, you serious? I said, rock steady. And we played <laughs> rock steady. It was, uh, that was a brutal day for my managers at the time. My, <laughs> my, my label uh, president called him up and, and really, really had a major problem with that one. I, yeah, it blows me away. It, it, I mean, it, I know it doesn't happen as much as, as it used to like back then. I mean, it still obviously happens. There's still plenty of, uh, you know, examples of it but it just it blows me away how little record companies trust the artists and i don't know how many times i've heard artists say that like oh i thought this song was awesome and then that becomes the song that everybody loves and that's the song that everybody at the record label is going no no that doesn't work no it's not it's not again you're like how? Why? Why do you think this is going to be the song? It just blows me away. It, I don't get it. I don't get I, it. I think uh, so. I think that they ultimately realized that home was was going to be a single. They just didn't want it as the first single. Mm. I didn't want where you are on the album. And I also <laughs> didn't like the fact that they were exerting so much authority over my career and are assuming that they could exert any authority over my career just because yeah. they handed me a check. Yeah. Ultimately, I'm still the guy that's going to get up there on stage and perform these tunes. And and that's what I realized once they started bringing these radio folks out to the shows and I wouldn't play the songs. I, I just figured they would give up and they would go at home at some point that, that they would give up on this mission of where you are. Yeah. They never did. They they really like it wasn't until the 11th hour until they had spent tons of money pushing this song that they knew I wasn't going to play. And finally, they were like, okay, I guess we're going with home and hot AC and, you know, made made a lackluster push. But uh, 
ultimately I realized that I had a lot of authority and that that no matter what, at the end of the day, if I didn't want to play a song, I wasn't going to play a song. Yeah. You know, it, feel, it feels I mean, it feels like now there would be a good amount of like analytics at these rate at these record uh, companies that they would be able to understand like, hey, you know what? We have told this many artists to play this song as their single, and we've only been successful this many times. Maybe we shouldn't do that anymore. Maybe there's we no, should just. There's no analytics going on at these record labels, man. It's flying blind. I asked a guy, at, a buddy of mine who works for Live Nation, one, mm -hmm. I was, one time I said, what's the secret? He says, we have no idea. We have no idea why some bands sell more than others and why one one band sells uh stadiums this go around and can't sell a you know a theater the next go around he said it's all a crapshoot man you, yeah. you don't know anything and i don't think the labels are much different than than, than live nation is no they really don't think they care very much to be honest well i mean well i mean that's and that's why like like you said that's that's why it's so irksome that they have so much control over so many artists that you're just like you don't you don't know and yeah. you didn't do anything for this you didn't you didn't contribute anything to this hunter, like, hunter, it, hunter s thompson has the best quote about the music business he says the music business is a long plastic hallway where pimps and thieves run free and good men die like dogs there's also a bad side <laughs> i think that's the best quote about the business ever that uh i mean there, there's a lot of them i might i might uh just just because of its artistic value i might put uh hotel california up there at the top of my list since that's mm. supposedly what it's about is you know about the music industry so oh yeah it's, it's uh an apt description for sure yeah it's it's uh it eh, ruined a lot of good careers but uh have you come to terms with that song now are you happy to play oh, it now I'm, now i'm super jazzed to play it especially once we get back up north because i got some of my old record executive buddies that helped make that album happen they're all coming out to the show so i'm gonna <laughs> sing my heart out on that song guys this is a special song for everybody i want everybody to stop and listen to this song well uh i i couldn't help but notice last year was the first time the first year you weren't touring for a long time uh during mardi gras you got the yeah. first time you seem to really enjoy it and oh, i yeah. noticed this year you've got you've got a break uh I, I do have a big break for mardi gras this year man you know was that a coincidence or was that part of the plan i it's it's definitely part of the plan uh i miss too many friggin mardi gras and I'm part of a crew down here in Karen Crow uh, with a bunch of friends from high school. And I miss the ball every year. I miss the freaking ball every single year. So I decided to try to put it into it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So, so you go, are, are you, do you, cause I know last year it was a, it was sort of a, you know, a, a last second choice as far as your wardrobe. Do you have a plan this year? I do. We've picked up several options for this year's Mardi oh, Gras man. festivities, and uh, uh, you'll you'll definitely be seeing them on social media. Love it. I love it. Well, before we go, Mark, uh, do you do you have what else can you tell the listeners that you have in store for 2024? I got more music coming in 2024, God willing. 
nice. than any other year of my career. So I'm currently wow. wrapping up a project uh, that produced by my buddy Eric Krasno. Mm -hmm. uh, my lights are all dying over here. Sorry, brother. <laughs> no uh, worries. I'm wrapping up an album with Kras. Uh, that should be wrapped up and and finished completely in February. Mm -hmm. Then uh, the plan is to go back in with Joe and his team and make an original blues album. Oh, hopefully get that out by the end of the year as well. And uh, and we've got another SOS in in the in the in the works as well. I'm, Man, I haven't decided on yacht rock yet, or or maybe going back to the soul trough. Oh, uh, my vote is for yacht rock. That is. But I'm also I'm also considering doing like a classic country, some mm. Conway Twitty and Keith Whitley kind of stuff. So there's there's a lot to discuss still yet for for SOS. But I'm hoping to get this blues album and the the Krasno album out this year. I'm still I'm still putting my vote in for Yacht Rock. I mean I like uh, the I like the classic country, but yeah, I mean Yacht Rock's got so much. It's got soul in it, but it's also just it's just so fun. And I just, agree. I it's just, just think it might thematically might be a little bit played. It, it feels like it would have been more suited for about four years ago. I, I, I you know, I mean, I might be biased, but I it's good for me anytime. I don't care what time of year. I don't care what the trends are. All Put right, on, man. I, I'm going to love you, it. You got me too, man. I, I'm in. Yes. yes. Let's do it. Couldn't see. I was wrong, and I just can't live without you. Mm. I'm mm. in. Yes. Yeah, you know, my favorite, I, I've, I've mentioned this, we actually had the band Yacht Rock Review on the show uh, last year. Nice. And uh, we we're, you know, we we're going through all the classics that they have to play every night because everybody wants to hear them. And I told them, like, my favorite, bar none, uh, Brandy, Looking Glass. Brandy. Yeah, man, that song <laughs> is just so 70s. It's so 70s. yacht rock. It's just and I mean, you know, is of course one of those uh, just diamond in the rough, just uh, one hit wonder that they just hit with that song and then fade it off and just uh, Brandberg, you're a good wife. What, what, what a yeah, what mm. a hilarious sounding voice to me. Oh. oh, it's I mean, it's so it's that then that's the thing is to me, for some reason, it's just so 70s. I'm like, yeah. yes, I yes, like 10 CC personally. I like the I like the diversity of 10 CC's mm -hmm. albums. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, they got everything on those albums, those albums. They, they do. They they go back and forth, man. But yeah, they, I mean, there's just there's so there, there's so many good choices in Yacht Rock, but sure. with the uh, with the Joe Bonamassa album, is he going? Is this going to be like a, a a full collaboration? Like, are you guys going to be writing songs together, or is it? Yeah, we've already gonna... started that. We've already started that oh, process. Wow. So we're writing at a distance. Uh, I've got some other friends that I'm trying to write some stuff with as well, but uh, you know, writing an original blues record is is quite an undertaking for me i want it yeah. to be as authentic as possible um you know i, I want to be able to, to to make that genre proud and uh and hopefully move a little bit more into that space as well so uh i'm nice. trying to take my time and be as thoughtful as as i can it's like you said you got a person that can uh uh fire the guitar up that's working with you there he oh, can yeah. 
he he can serve those he can serve those riffs. That's for sure. That's no for doubt sure about it, brother. But Mark, we are up against the break, man. I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us again today. You got it, man. Thanks for having me, brother. We'll see y'all down in Point Vedra. Uh, when is that? Like a, a... 27, 28. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And just it, in just a couple of weeks, just a couple of weeks. Listeners, make sure you get out to the, the concerts for sure. He's got a double feature. You can get tickets for both. Be one of those people. Be a selfish person. Go see him twice. Check out all things Mark Broussard at his website, markbroussard.com. Check him out on social media. Of course, stream all of his music right now. We are going to hear one of those songs with Joe Bonamassa. This is That's What Love Will Make You Do right here on the Doc G Show. Here on the Doc a G, a show you just heard, Mark a Brew Assard. Fantastic, Mike. Yes. Such a nice guy. I enjoy Mark. He just, uh, you know, just, uh, I mean, it's crazy, crazy to think. Uh, how uh, The thing that gets me about Mark is how much life outside of music he has dealt with over this time of his music career. Mm-hmm. Like, that blows me away. I mean... He uh, getting married, uh, having four kids during that yeah. time of that. Just yeah. like all, all like you know, and he's only a couple of years uh, older than me. It's it's nuts. It's yeah, nuts. It, it was like he he actually it was like yeah, I was twenty two in uh, two thousand four. I'm like wait a second. I was like <laughs> almost twenty two, and he's like this guy's lived a whole life. <laughs> yeah, he's just, <laughs> like, he got he got out there, man, in multiple yeah. in multiple facets. But uh, what, what did you have from the interview, Mike? Well, first of all, Doc G, pretty excited to have a Pops Po'Boys live show host, which he pretty much said he would uh, be He said he co-host. He said he yeah. co-host. He's trying to steal yeah. your spot, Mike. Let's uh, do it. Hey, now, co-host, I'll sit at the table. I'll eat the whole time. I was, I was about to say, Mike Mike would <laughs> yeah. just be there just nodding his head in agreement yeah. as he eats. Yes. I'll wear some headphones, though, make it look legit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and every now and then you'll just, with a full mouthful, just come in. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And back we just to tried you. the sandwich. This is good. This is good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry you I, can't talk because you're talking. I, lo- you I looked it. I looked it up, Mike. April fourth. Yeah. That's when it is. So we need to we need to plan April fourth. Four. Yeah. Okay. We need to we need to get okay. to Lafayette. Okay. okay. It basically, for us, we're meeting in the middle. I think we talked about this before, but uh, for us, it's it's pretty much like halfway for both of us. So, mm. you know. We'll yeah. meet in Lafayette. We'll have uh, Po Boys with uh, with Mark. Um, Live show. Let's go. What else, Mike? <laughs> um, getting booked as vacations. I think that's a great idea. I've never even considered that. But yeah, like, hey, where do I want to go? And then how can I just get a show there so I don't yeah. have to really pay for it? Yeah. yeah Genius. No. Genius. Uh, I like how he mentioned that nobody at the record labels really knows what they're doing. They don't. I think that was awesome. They have no idea. They definitely don't. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, that's the thing is if they did, obviously they would, they would get bands that blow up on SoundCloud and on Spotify by themselves before anybody knew about them, but they don't. And yeah, so exactly. Then, 
you know, and that's uh, and and I don't know. It's like I told him. I don't know how many times I've heard from artists stories just like his, where they're like, "No, I don't. I that shouldn't be the single. This should be the single. This is the best song. I want this song." And the 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 label goes, "No, Mm-mm. that song sucks. No, we're not doing that song." And then, of course, it's the biggest at song, and it goes, you know, it's 150 yeah. million streams on Spotify in like a year, and you're like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you think back to the interview that we did with Nico Moon, right? That was good time. Yeah. Good time he tried to sell to every single record label out there, and they were like, no, this song's stupid. No, we're not going to do this song. And then they put it out. It's a f- platinum single. And you're like, oh, oh, it is good. We don't know what the crap we're talking about. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's totally true. What else, yeah. Mike? Anything else? And then, well, just how like something could blow up, you know, a song like that or whatever. And then, but you only have like the only people who are drawn to it are people from Europe, like that mm. are not even American or like it just like you. It's just interesting how they can do shows in Europe, sell out two, three thousand seats it's very wild to see yeah. uh me and my brother do this all the time but you look at famous bands and you know you look at like you know just think of any famous band out there u2 Def leopard like any classic band like that and you'll if you go through their their like albums you'll see songs that charted in uh europe and in new zealand and in australia that didn't chart here that had mm-hmm. no success in America, and you're just like, it's wild. I mean, yeah. it, it, it makes me happy to a degree just knowing that there is independent thought of people, you know? That yeah, it is kind of interesting, for, yeah. I mean, instead of just everybody being like, no, that song's awesome. Like, you know, so, yeah, it, yeah it's, it, but it works. Weren't it the Beatles works. popular in America before they were really popular in Europe? And, like, wasn't it the reverse for Tom Petty? Like, he was popular, they were popular in Europe before they were popular in America. Mm. Or am I wrong about that history? I mean, I would say, you know, probably one of the really good examples is Jimi Hendrix. You know, Jimi Hendrix? Jimi Hendrix was real popular in, in uh, London before he was popular in America. You know? Oh, okay. Which, Didn't you know, know is more, yeah, is sort of bizarre considering, you know, obviously American. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like... Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, that that happens a lot of times, you know, you'll, you'll I mean... It also happens that you have English bands that are just popular in England and it takes forever that for them to catch on as as American bands, you know, or they they don't at all, you know. Yeah. Hmm. But anyways, Mike, we need to move on. We're going to move on to the fastest growing segment in the world. Mike's the top 3. That is correct. Now, Mike, uh we chose last week uh the top Nike shoes that mm-hmm. are not Jordans. Yeah. Now, I apologize to any amazing Nikes that I forget in the process of making this list. There are, I'm sure, plenty of other ones. Uh, this wasn't a fully researched and fully thought out list because this could take months to properly yeah. do this list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and I will say, too, I looked at the Complex, you know, uh, Complex Magazine's list. Uh, they had the top 50 Nikes, Mike. I took a, a look at their list. There were some goofy options on there. I will definitely yeah. say, Mike, Nike Air Yeezys will never make a 
fucking list of mine. Those things look stupid, and I don't want them on my list. So uh, they had they had two of them on the list, Mike, and I don't know if they're on your list, but no, uh, they don't. You know what? That they actually just reminded me. They don't. Do, are you putting them on the list? Don't put them on the list, Mike. No, no, but I am adding another one to the list. Okay. Anyways. No, yeah. Anyways, Mike, let me do some honorable mentions here. Okay. Uh, I've got a lot of them. Uh, Air Force Ones. They didn't make it onto my uh, top three, but uh, this was the shoe for East Coast hip hop fashion. Originally came out in '82. Uh, just kept going through the '90s into the 2000s. They're still popular. They're one of the most classic. They're so popular. Like 90s. one in every three people are wearing white Air Force Ones, and I honestly, Doc G, not to go against you, but I really don't get it. Well, I, really well, I mean, that's it. the thing is, I mean, you know, they've got a classic appeal to me just because they are so ingrained in fashion, but I put them on the honorable mention just because of what a social icon they were, not yeah. because of oh, okay. how much I love them. <laughs> uh, Nike, Nike Air Dunks, sort of the same with them. Came out in okay. 1985. People love them. They're a mainstay. They just, mm -hmm. I mean, they're everywhere. Uh, Nike Air Zoom Turfs. Now, these are for me. These mm. I just love. Nike Air Zoom Turfs came out in 96. Barry Sanders wore these. Oh, they looked yeah. like they were from the future. They were awesome. I loved them. Uh, also, honorable mention, Nike Air Pippin 2s. Super plain. Definitely not one of Nike's best shoes, but I had a pair of them, and I loved them, so they're going on the list. Nike Air Pippin, Pippin 2s? Pippin yeah, twos. Nike Air Pippin twos. Very plain, Mike. Very plain. Um, just a clean look. They were very smooth. Very clean look. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, Nike Air Hirachi high tops. Mm. So unique. High tops. So awesome. They blew people's minds when they came out in the nineties. Just great. Uh, Nike Air Flight ones. From 1994, Air Penny wore these before he actually had his own shoe. Penny Hardaway was wearing these. They were dope. They had little bubbles on them. They looked magical. Michael mm -hmm. Jordan wore a, a pair of them at one point in time, even when he had his own shoes. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, wasn't he like waiting? I want to Air Flight 2s. Uh, yeah, wasn't he like waiting for a shoe of his to come out and he was like wearing them? I want to like say I want to say it was like a no like I want to say it was like a bet or something with like oh, Penny. Oh, I can't not remember. Not the same not the same shoe, not the same shoe that I No, Nike about. Air Flight 1s. Yeah. Nike Air. Yeah. Um okay, Mike. My number 3. My number 3 on the Oh, do you have honorable mentions? Sorry. I do. Honorable mentions. Oh yeah, the Air Flight 1s. Yeah. The, so yeah, Michael Jordan played Orlando. Wearing mm -hmm. those games. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wearing those shoes. Okay. So my honorable mentions um, are the Back to the Future Nike Air Mag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cool shoe. Um, the, the, now, are you talking about the ones that actually can lace themselves up? Well, yeah. I mean, if you could get uh, some, like, self-lacing ones, but, like, even the I mean, you know, they made of, those pair of those during the pandemic where they actually self-lacing. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I did not know that. I know that they had they were like an insane like twenty thousand dollars or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like really hard crazy. To get. They yeah. come in like a big yellow box. Yeah. So those are really cool. Um, they would be a lot of fun to wear if I actually had a pair. Um, I like the Pippin Up Tempo. I like mm -hmm. the big air on the side. I like all that. 
Spoiler alert. Yeah. It's on my list, Mike. Oh, sh- well, Hirachis were on my uh, my number two, but the low okay. low tops. Okay. Uh, and then lastly, the off-white Air Presto one. Mm. Uh, that's a beautiful shoe. I actually had some Air Presto's. Presto's were big, oh, man. Yeah, they, they hit hard and they sort of left fast, but they were uh, yeah. they were everywhere, those Prestos. Yeah. Uh, Mike, my number three, Nike Air Zoom Flight 95s. These uh, these looked like you were from outer space, man. Yes! The future had arrived with these mofos. You just looked fast. Jason Kidd uh, was sort of the face of these shoes. And it didn't matter if you were actually fast. You just looked like a spaceship in these. You were ready to jet, man. One of my favorites, though. That's my number three. Nike Air Zoom Flight's. 95 big nice. bubbles on the side yeah they just put out a new pair of those i think i saw wimby wearing a pair oh. for the uh like one of the games anyways yeah all right Willingness. your number three mike my number three was the nike freeze i really liked nike freeze when those mm-hmm. first were coming out they were all flexible and i was really into running and um yeah nike freeze those were great shoes they lasted forever too i was a lifeguard i was wearing my nike freeze every day oh my gosh they were indestructible gosh back in the lifeguard days yeah you, oh yeah you and rick oh, oh yeah. man yeah uh, shorts weren't as short though but uh you know <laughs> mike my number two this one you're probably not with because it's a little bit on that air force one but I, I had pairs, and I loved them. Nike Cortez. Nike, Nike Cortez. Cortez. I can get down with some Nike Cortez. I can't wear them, but they look nice. Again, I can agree. Ma- mainstay in hip-hop culture. This is uh, to West, hop, uh, West hip-hop culture to what uh, Air Force Ones are to East hip-hop culture. Uh, you know, you back in the day, if I wanted to go to California and walk through... LA with a pair of Cortezes, I better have the colors right because I would uh, get jumped and murdered if that wasn't correct. But uh, <laughs> they are um, fantastic. They're just so it's the, streamlined. Uh, it's the Adidas tracksuit of uh, Russia. It's like. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, man. Uh, uh. But they came out in 1972, originally called the Nike Aztecs. They didn't sell that mm-hmm. well and they switched the name. Uh, Mike, you're number two. Real quick, Doc G, you're a you're a man of exercise knowledge. Would those be good shoes to run in the Cortez no. the way Forrest Gump? No. Yeah. <laughs> he would have gotten injured. No, well, I mean, like, Maybe you know, basically injured, any yeah. shoe in the 70s wasn't good to run in. Any okay. shoe that we have Got now it. is better as far as actual impact and whatnot. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, okay, so my number two was the uh, Hirachis. I like the low tops. I had a pair of the low top Nikes and they just lasted forever. I don't know. Like, I, I don't even know how many years I had those shoes before I was like, th- I just, just love, a piece of them broke. I love it. the wild design of them, man. Yeah. Like, that was the thing. Different. Back, back in the 90s with that, like, inner sock and just, like, the cool mm-hmm. streaming lines, you're like, what yeah. am, like, are these space boots? Yeah. yeah they look unusual. You know? They yeah. do. Pretty yeah. cool. Mike, my number one, you mentioned it, Nike Air More Up Tempo. Yes. 90s Chicago Bulls. Scotty Pippen wore them. Ugh, this shoe, it was sexy. Beautiful. It was in your face. It had it all, Mike. This was the shoe that I probably wanted more than any other shoe that was not 
a Jordan shoe. Like, mm-hmm. I just thought this was the coolest. You yeah. tattoo air on the side, just as big as it can be. Yeah. That's dope. That yeah. is big letters. I mean, and the the black, the the all black ones with the white lettering, those are the coolest. Yeah. Are, do you, do you have, wait, with the all white, so all the letters are white, not the white outline. Yeah. You're not talking about those. The white so you're, outline. You're talking about the white outline. Yeah. Well, no, no, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. White outline, but all black. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. the letters are black. Outlines white. Yeah. Do you mm-hmm. do you have a pair of those? Yes. You do. I have uh, I have white and reds. Okay. White and reds. Mm-hmm. Nice. They're they're up in my uh, bedroom. Yes. Cool. 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 Yeah. I I I've been thinking about going and getting the actual black outlines, but I've never uh, never pulled the trigger on them. You know? Yeah, I mean, you could probably get a pair for a pretty decent price. You know, Doc G. Hey, off the record, I'd probably go uh, reps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we might lose a couple sneakerhead listeners for that one, but I would probably just go reps. Why not? They pr- they make them. I well. um. I also, I just realized this. This is important. I forgot one honorable mention that should have been on there. The Nike Air Pippin 1s. Nike Air, Nike Pippin, Air 1s. Pippin 1s were basically a knockoff of those Air tempo, uh, air Up Tempos. They just didn't have the giant air on the side. Mm-hmm. They were very similar. They just had little lines going down the side of them. And, uh, yeah, I think I, I've definitely said it on the show before, Mike, but I had my highest scoring... Uh, organized game ever in those shoes. Now that was a basketball camp game, so technically it like doesn't count. But it yeah. was with our team, <laughs> and I, I literally not exaggeration. It was like thirty points in that game. I was on fire that game, Mike. Nice on That's fire. Awesome. Yeah, these are beautiful shoes. I'd, I'd definitely rock a pair. They look like it, uh, they kind of look like LeBrons. Yeah, I was about to say, except like uh, y- like. Old LeBrons, they weigh yeah. like four hundred pounds, so they actually uh, weren't a good shoe to play in. But you know, I mm. thought I looked dope, so who cares? Yeah. Anyways, Mike, you're number one. My number one. You probably see these in pretty much every picture of me doing stamp comedy. The Air Max One. Mm, Air Max classic. One. Yeah. With the, Change the game. Yeah. Change the game. Awesome. Great shoes. Good, they look good, good shoe pants. for comedy. Yeah. I've good heard comedy they, shoe. I heard they yeah. make you funnier. It's they good. make me feel great. So I don't know if there's any translation there, but I feel like, hey, if I'm not winning with the comedy, at least I definitely have on some sick shoes. Guys, my toesies feel good. So get yeah. ready for some jokes. Here yep. we go. These are clean. There it is, Mike. Top three good stuff. Listeners, if you don't see it, it will be on the website uh, later uh, today. So get excited for that. Uh, that's what the website is used for. So true. Um, Mike. What should we do next week? What do you want to do? How about top three Disney rides? Top three Disney. I'll be honest. And they can Mike, be oh, no. I don't. I don't. I have not uh, frequented Disney enough to to do that one. No. Uh, okay. Yeah. How about how about top three? What about Universal Studios? No. I have no. to dig back in the memory yeah, banks, but okay. I've no, done no, no. it. We could do. We could do something else. I got it. How about top three high rises? Like just our favorite, like skyscrapers. You're yeah, saying? top okay. three skyscrapers. I can do it. I yeah. like that. Different. I like that. Okay. World worldwide, right? Not just uh, worldwide. Just America. Yeah. Okay. All over okay. the place. I like it because there's uh, there's. I mean, you know, we're sort of losing in that game these days. Internationals yeah. really got some bad ones out there. You know, mm-hmm. they've obviously got the highest one. 
Anyways, Mike, that sounds good. Next week, listeners, write it down. Your favorite sky scrapers. <laughs> favorite sky just been watching, scrapers. Just been watching a lot of Architectural Digest, Doc Juice, you know, so I'm like, you know understandable. what? Good idea. You, Chrysler, do you love the Chrysler building? <laughs> Do you oh, yeah. love Sears Tower, listeners? It's not called Sears Tower anymore, but do you love the inner Empire State Building? Mm-hmm. Do you love World Trade? What is it? World Trade One is World, the name of The Freedom Tower, yeah. I don't Free, know. Something like that. Yeah. Burj Khalifa. What do you mm. love? Oh, what do Burj you love, Khalifa. listener? That'll be on the list. Anywho, Mike, we need to move on to the last two birthday suits. Like I said, I think you can get both here. Uh, they are in your wheelhouse. Both comedians. It could be a three for a day. Here we go. First one, born on January 17th, 1957 in Welch, West Virginia. He is a king of comedy and he hosts Family Feud. Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey is Yay. correct. Yes. Steve Harvey, man. I tell you, I didn't know Steve uh Steve went through it getting to getting to where he's at, man. Really? He Yeah, so I mean, you know, he uh like, you know, his 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 family life was pretty good, uh, but he went he went to Kent State, he went to West Virginia University, then he dropped out and he started trying comedy, but before he started trying comedy, he uh he was a boxer, he was an auto worker, he was a carpet cleaner. There were like five other jobs that he tried. Then he mm. tried stand up in 85. And while he was trying to make it as a comedian, he was homeless for 3 years. Mm. He slept in his car when he couldn't work out a hotel uh, a hotel room in the gig. Jeez. Like he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, so I'll be playing Saturday night. Can I get a hotel room?" And when they'd say no, he'd be like, "All right," and he'd just sleep in his car. And uh, but uh, yeah, he finally landed in 90, uh, 1990, He landed host for its Showtime at the Apollo, and that's really where he made his made his mark. Uh, then of ship. course he had his own sitcom for six seasons on WB. Shout out to that show, by the way. That was like, you know, Doc G, I was kind of poor growing up. We didn't have cable. And uh, that was the clearest channel was uh, the Steve Harvey show. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. Perfect. Yeah, him and uh, C- Cedric the Entertainer. It's good, man. Great show. Uh, Great show. In 97, they went out, Kings of Comedy, Cedric the Entertainer, D.L. Hughley, and uh, Bernie Mac. Uh, he started his morning show, his radio show, uh, in 2000, which is still going on 24 years of the nice. Steve Harvey morning show. That's a fact. Uh, in 2010, he uh, started hosting Family Feud, which he was absolutely made for. Uh, in 2012, he performed his final stand-up act right uh, in your uh, your town, Mike, at the MGM Grand. That was his, his final. Last. His final show. He doesn't do stand up wow. anymore. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. See how Mike, long that lasts. You are two for two. Here's three for three. Born on January 17, 1962, in Newmarket, Canada. He is Ace Ventura. Ah, oh, Jim Carrey. Jim Legend. Carrey is correct. Yes. Three for three, Mike. Nicely Let's done. Let's go. Nicely 2024, done. this is our year. He's nailing it. He's nailing it, everybody. But uh, Jim started doing uh, comedy 
downtown Toronto when he was in his teens. Mm-hmm. He auditioned three times to be on Saturday Night Live. Failed every single time. One time in 80, one time in between 80 and 86, and then one time in 86. Uh, he did get on to Living Color in 1990. Uh, from 1990 to 1994. And then 94, Ace Ventura came out, and he just exploded yeah the mask dumb and dumber riddler on batman forever cable guy truman show me myself irene the majestic bruce almighty yes man dumb and dumber too a whole bunch of others yeah just one of the best physical comedians of all time man for sure the facial expressions the control of his face just insane just I think every kid between the like the that was born between like eighty two and ninety two wanted to be Jim Carrey, like mm-hmm. in elementary school, like yeah. just alrighty then, just yeah, just so <laughs> fun, man, just so fun. This is wild. I was looking up things about Jim Carrey. This is wild. He dated Linda Ronstadt, the singer, for eight months in nineteen eighty three. When he like first moved to L.A., famous singer Linda Ronstadt, she's 16 years older than him. Mike, oh, wild, yeah, because like you know she was she was big in the late 60s, early 70s, and I was just like, what? That's so wild. How did that happen? That's crazy, mm. man. Anyways, neat. Happy birthday to all. Like I said, all the the. Famous birthdays on the 17th. My goodness. Just a whole bunch of of famous folks out there. Dwayne Wade, Jim Carrey, Steve Harvey, Benjamin Franklin. Shout out to you on the old 117. Mike, we need to wrap it up. We have a fantastic show coming next week. We have a fantastic show after that. We have many, many a fantastic show. Next week, we've got Jerry Douglas, the absolute legend, as I've already said. That's right. 15 Grammys, 1,600 albums, seven just million music stories. Just crazy. Can't wait to talk to him. Uh, Literally, you know, it's not often that you can say, like, the best at something. The best dobro player in the world. No one plays that instrument better than this guy. Out of 7 billion some people. It's insane, but it's Mm. true. Uh, And then after that, we have the fantastic legend on the guitar, Kenny Wayne Shepard. He he loves uh, cars, Mike. Yeah, really big into muscle cars. I Mm -hmm. was I was looking. You know, I'm getting uh, getting ready for the interview. And I noticed on his social media, he bought a uh, special uh, Dodge Challenger. I forget, like, the name. It's something Demon. It's like Demon 190 or something like that. It has 1,025 horsepower. Jeez. 1,025 horsepower. It goes 0 to 60 in 1.6 seconds. Mm. Girl, come on! It's yeah. the fastest production car in the world, and it's a Dodge Challenger. So it's faster than a Tesla. Yeah. Oh. One point oh. six seconds, Mike. That's, That's insane. Wild, yeah. Giddy up. 
Yeah, I feel like you would and lose control. Like any any wrong maneuver oh, yeah. there in the beginning, oh, you would yeah. just totally spin out. Oh yeah. Yeah. And this is definitely not a Tesla mic. This is ruining the world. <laughs> <laughs> this has a bunch of gasoline pumping through it. <laughs> but anyways, Mike, we need to wrap it up. I've been your host. We've got fantastic shows, like I just said, but we need to go for today. So until next week, I've been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus, the Fernicus, Charette. Always a pleasure, Doc G. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zip it a doo-doo.